Looks like some kind of insect. It's a bee. Bee? A bee? Slow down now. What plane and what's dangerous? Bees, Scotty. Killer bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees. This is not a Wu-Tang podcast. No, this is a podcast that profiles B-movie actors and genre icons. My name is Garrett Smith. My name is Tori Potenza. And uh, we can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. On Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at gmail.com. And we are on Movie John's Podcast Network on moviejohn.com. That's J-A-W-N, the Philadelphia John. Indeed, we are. Oh, and our artwork is by Alex Schneider, and our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. Sorry, I had to look at my notes. That's okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, that like ended so suddenly. I wasn't prepared for, for other words. Well, that's because I missed half of it. Yeah, it's okay. You did your um, best. Today, we are talking about, I think, the actor that I've seen the most credits of so far, Bill Paxton. Yeah, I think that makes sense. The more I go through his filmography for this, I was like, "Oh, he's in. He's another one of those guys that's in stuff that I don't even like think of." Yes, yes. Uh, there's even like some more kids movies that he's in that is that are hilarious that I don't totally remember him from, but uh, yeah, he's in like a whole series of movies that I think I saw in theaters as a kid. So yeah, same. Um, so uh, I mean, I guess we probably should catch up with some things that we've been yeah. watching, right? Yeah, um, I feel like we don't have a ton since the last time we recorded. I mean, I know you watched at least one today. Well, yes, I was I was going to say that, but I was trying to think if there was anything else, like, you know, later. Uh, but yeah, uh, this morning I watched a movie called Blood Games, uh, which I just bought uh, uh, for one of Vinegar Syndrome's uh, sales. Uh, Vinegar Syndrome, like... Uh, is a really awesome company that has tons of like weird horror genre films um and also like uh like porn like weird out of print porn titles you can yep. find through them too it's it's a pretty old, fascinating dirty movies yep. yeah uh but uh some really weird movies uh and a couple that I wanted to watch for uh the rape revenge research I have been doing uh and so I watched uh, Blood Games from 1990 uh which is directed by Tanya Rosenberg um it's the one and only film that she has directed um I actually want to like do a little bit more research on her and like kind of like it seemed initially there wasn't like a lot so uh I would love to know like what happened to her after this but yeah this is like a kind of a rape revenge movie about like a you know, sexy baseball group of ladies that like go to this like you know hick town. They're they, on a baseball team. They're on a baseball team. I love it. Uh, sexy group of baseball ladies. Yeah, Got it. check. And uh, they defeat the dudes in town, and they do not take that well. Uh, Wait, literally the whole movie is like vengeance over a baseball game gone awry. Kind of, yes, yeah. Uh, you know, they like assault some of the people. Some of the girls, someone dies, and then all the dudes are like, "All right, we're like fucking killing." They at one point they said, "Like I'm gonna kill these baseball bitches." Uh, okay, this sounds like a great movie. Uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. Uh, I enjoyed it a decent amount. Uh, it maybe is like less rape revengey than like I necessarily expected going into it, but uh, sure, maybe not the thing you thought you were looking for. But like in the end, a lot of those films are mostly just like a 
kind of about like toxic men yeah. uh, trying to control women and rape is of course a part of that right, right. Uh, and so there is rape in, in this your... film okay. uh, but it's just not like the inciting event necessarily yeah a fucking that... <laughs> baseball game is the inciting event it uh, like. yeah it's like it's a weird thing to try to like actually like pinpoint and like narrow down as I'm doing this research on this genre but a uh, very strange movie that I yeah was only able to find uh, through vinegar syndrome so appreciate it. Yeah, that's great. And we own it, so I can catch up with it eventually. Yes, you can. Which I would like to do yeah. based on your description. You would probably enjoy it too. Yeah. Yeah. Sexy lady baseball team. Yeah. It's fun. It. Yeah, they're really cool. I uh, like most of the ladies, and you know, since it's a baseball team, they end up beating a lot of people with baseball bats, which Sounds is great. great. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, you want to move right along to Bill. I'm thinking with all the credits we've seen of his, there's going to be quite a bit of yeah. Bill discussion. Yeah, and I think we'll probably want to like pick and choose which ones we really like delve into. Yes, yes, but I, he I'll, has I'll try to keep done my thoughts so brief. much. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, uh, we're doing Bill Paxton. He has 99 acting credits according to IMDb, five writer credits, and well as five uh directing credits, which yes. I did not know going into this. And now we've talked about a lot of people that uh, are actors and directors, which is really interesting and not a thing I expected to talk a ton about on the show. It seems like a lot of actors, um, like I heard Paxton say as much in an interview today, are interested in trying to figure out how to tell stories themselves. Yeah. They feel like they don't get the roles that they want mm -hmm. or are not getting to tell the stories they want through their art. And so they, they get attracted to um, yeah. directing and writing in that way. It seems to also make them like good at directing other actors from like what I've kind of read, uh, sure. which is cool too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a quote here that made me laugh. So I decided we would start with it. It says, I've always loved movies about con men. I think con men are as American as apple pie. <laughs> He's, um, yeah, I mean, we'll, as we talk about his early life here, we'll figure some of this out, but he definitely seems like a kind of like blue collar, salt of the earth mm. type dude. Uh, yeah. An so. interview described him as the every man leading men. Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. he is like a, a everyday kind of average Joe that does become like a big, like, yeah. you know, and it's, it takes him a while really to become like the center and become like the, he truly, the movie star, but he truly is a B movie actor yeah. for his early career mm -hmm. and then straight up becomes like a movie star. Mm -hmm. Um, and yet, even through that movie stardom, is often either starring in what you might consider like big budget B pictures, yeah, or um. Uh, Continues to do like independent work right alongside mm -hmm. of the big blockbuster work that he's doing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he was born May 17th, 1955 in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, according to IMDb, some of his nicknames were Wild Bill and uh -huh. Knuckles. <laughs> yeah, I saw him. He's credited on at least one movie as Wild Bill Paxton. Amazing. Yeah. I love it. Um, his father uh, was John Paxton. Yes. Uh, and as a child, uh, he had uh, a rheumatic fever that kept him in bed and isolated for quite a long time. Um, he the talks a lot about it in like one of his uh, interviews that I read. This is Bill that had the, uh, the rheumatic yes. fever. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he says, I spent a good part of my seventh grade in bed. Uh, he says, recalling the few activities he's allowed to do, recuperating, reading, watching TV, observing his family and neighbors, helping spark his interest in cultivating key skills for a future as an actor. Uh, it kind of isolated me at an interesting age suddenly I was uh, this kind of voyeuristic world uh, which I think is a kind of interesting way to think about uh, him like deciding he wants to like act yeah and be in that world um, 
He moves to Los Angeles at the age of 18, where he found work in the film industry as a set dresser for Roger Corman's New World Pictures. And that's how he met James Cameron, who he ends up working with quite a bit throughout his career. So he knew James Cameron like right from the beginning, which is pretty wild. Yeah, because I believe it's either Piranha or Piranha 2 is Cameron's like first directing job mm-hmm. that I don't even think he's ultimately credited on. There's some weird thing there. I can't remember how that works exactly. Yeah. But so he's like making early Corman pictures while... Mm-hmm. Bill is just doing, like, you know, artwork for for Corman Studios. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, He also uh, lived in New York and studied acting under Stella Adler Mm. at the New York University. Mm -hmm. Um, Bill Paxton directed, wrote, and produced uh, a lot of, uh, several short films, uh, which were, some of them were award-winning shorts, including Barnes and Barnes, Fish Heads from 1980, which aired on Saturday Night Live in 1970, or, no, sorry, (laughs) Saturday Night Live is from 1975, uh, but it aired uh, on that program, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah. and then one, I just saw this quote, he talks about uh, kind of having like issues being in front of people. He says, every time I get in front of a camera, I have a bit of a panic attack or when I have to speak in front of a group of people. Uh, and that's the thing like he like feel like has just dealt with uh, throughout his career, which I think is so interesting and is maybe a thing that I can tell uh, in some of his weirder <laughs> acting roles. Yeah, I wonder, because like uh, in some of the interviews I found with him today, he's like, very affable Mm. and feels like a guy you're meeting at a barbecue who just is like, you know, knows everybody in town and knows like your whole family's extended names and stuff. Like he's got this very kind of like all American guy feel about him. So it's interesting to know that like he actually did have some uh, like social anxiety. Yeah. Um, so yeah, his, uh, acting career, uh, on film starts in 1975. He had an uncredited role in Crazy Mama starring Cloris Leachman. Okay. Which, uh, also love the idea of Cloris Leachman in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, in the 80s, uh, he does some TV, like Miami Vice. Uh, but in 1981, he was in uh, Bill Murray's Stripes and just kind of plays a, a soldier. Yeah, I film. took a look at, the, at this today because I've seen Stripes. So I was like, I don't remember Bill Paxton in that. He mm-hmm. is literally like in one shot yeah. sitting next to John Candy, uh, I think, at the mud wrestling tournament. And he has several kind of roles like that in, yeah. in random things, too. Um, and then the same year, uh, he was in Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, which uh, a new favorite we in this household. pretty recently, yes. and uh, I love that movie. Absolutely incredible movie. Yeah. I think we may have already talked about this on the podcast. Yeah, in because some we because we just loved it and yeah. we needed to bring it up. But yeah, he, I mean, he's not one of the main characters. He plays like a high school bully, which he is very good at being very a high school at. bully. I mean, he goes on to play some other bully yeah. characters throughout his career, and he's also kind of like a. Uh, He's like kind of like, you know, competition for the lead because the the lead kid who has like all these crazy problems with his aunt is trying to get like a basketball scholarship. That's right. That's uh, right. And so he is like also a good basketball player and kind of is like trying to potentially get that sort of uh, same uh, stuff. So. He- Definitely in his younger years, reads as a meathead yeah. and will play a meathead he like does many it times. So well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he's he's a lot of fun in that movie, but that movie is just really good. Oh, it's in a general. wild fucking movie that people absolutely should see. While we cannot yeah. wholeheartedly recommend it, as it's got all kinds yeah. of like homophobic slurs in it and stuff. Like, yeah, you, you got to go in with the right content warnings, but you should watch it. It's yeah. incredible and strange. I. R- 
I wrote a piece about it that should be up like July first. Okay, uh, great. Off for Movie John awesome. as part of my Women Who Kill. Awesome. Uh, series. Yes, great. Because yeah. Um, yes. what is that actress's name? Susan Terrell. Yeah. Uh, is incredible in that movie. Yeah, she's wild. Yeah. Uh, also wild because Bill Paxton has a knack for dying uh, in pretty crazy ways in films. Yes. Uh, but uh, crazy that he didn't meet uh, an end in this. He's kind of just like a side character yeah. and is sidelined eventually and doesn't really matter. And he seems like he would be ripe for that aunt to mm-hmm. murder, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, because he, d- I mean, I think pretty famously, he's like an actor that died from a yes. predator, from an alien, from a. Something else, too. Yeah, yeah. Lot, lots of things. Uh, in 1983, he was in a film called Reckless about a daredevil motorcycle rider who falls for an older artist. I mean, that sounds great. <laughs> and then he does a film called The Lords of Discipline. In 1960s America, a black cadet is allowed acceptance into a seemingly prestigious military academy, unleashing a barrage of corruption within the system that another cadet is willing to expose. Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, He then does a TV movie called Deadly Lessons. A psycho is stalking the students at an exclusive girls' school. Of course I want to watch that movie. Do you know who he plays? No. Okay. I was just curious. Like... Is he the psycho in that movie? Because Who interesting knows? implications for yeah. what's to come literally yeah. immediately next. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, then the next film he is in, also in 1983, is Mortuary, which we watched last night, mostly because yes. it was uh, one that I always hear about just with our, like, you know, friends that like a lot yeah. of, like, genre movies. Uh, this is, you know, an 80s slasher yeah. staple, I would say. Not staple, but yeah. one of the ones that I think, you know, 80s slasher fit. The horror community likes yeah. this movie, I think. Yeah, it's, like, kind of a slasher. It, like, it dips its toe into maybe having some, like, satanic, like, culty things going on, too. But ultimately, it just really is, like, a slasher movie yeah, that takes I... place in it around a mortuary. Right, right. And you yeah. and I talked about it while watching it, that, like, the first half actually kind of feels... Not that these are totally different genres anyway, but like feels a little more like a Giallo it movie. Does, a lot, yeah. But once you get into the back half, it really becomes like an American yeah. schlocky slasher movie. Yeah. Which I have to say, I actually think I preferred it earlier in the movie when it was this weirder, kind of mysterious, yes. Giallo-ish movie. But... Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton it's gets so to really dig into some fun, weird material yeah, in like the finale of the movie. Introduced early on, just yes. as like a nerd that has a crush on the lead. Yes, uh, and is like at school carrying around a stack of vinyl and he's like hey I just got this new Mozart vinyl do you want to listen to it with me and he's wearing like a sweater vest and he just looks like such a nerd the best part of that to me was that you could see that he was holding at least one other record and the other record he was holding is a The Doors record so he's telling her about the Mozart record he's got not The Doors record he's got where I'm fairly confident The Doors record would have been more impressive to that character he's trying to act like he's like an older man type you know yes right he's like we'll drink wine by candlelight yes yeah he's got some class yeah <laughs> uh, and there's that scene where he skips away after oh saying my hi God. he yeah they're in a cemetery and he goes okay bye and then runs away <laughs> and but he like his frolics. run yeah. is insane it's the funniest he, like, frolics away yeah it's so funny uh yeah you just think he's a nerd and he like works the mortuary and at one point he's like uh like taking care of one of the bodies and like prepping it for a funeral while having a conversation with goes, Oh man, everyone just thinks I'm weird because I work at a mortuary. I can't get a girlfriend or anything. And you're just like, you're Oh, like, but like, eh, you're like you're... but yes, but yes, <laughs> you're a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, and you know, it, it ramps up to a pretty crazy finale that he is a part of and is like a total freak, and he it's amazing. Gets to have a lot of fun, and yeah. I I gotta say, I I wasn't like I wasn't fully into this movie, yeah. but I really. As a Bill Paxton movie, this is really yeah. worth watching. Yeah. He gets to have a lot of fun when he's like, you know, young and early in his career and I think still is like not really defined as like who Bill Paxton is mm-hmm. or what the Bill Paxton character is. And there's a lot of these kind of like loose canon roles that he plays when he's younger mm-hmm. and gets to have a lot of fun in this one, I think. Yeah. Um, he then is in a film called Taking Tiger Mountain, uh, militant feminist scientist brainwashed research subject to assassinate the Welsh minister of prostitution. Meanwhile, World War Three is being fought and the USA has been invaded. I'm sorry, what the fuck did you just say? It's a lot of words. Yeah. Uh, this will come up later because they do like, I don't know if it's a remake or something, but like they, yeah, it, looked like it comes back up. Maybe like uh Maybe they just revisit like a, this, yeah, yeah. like a like a, a documentary. Maybe just it's kind of like weird. talking about it. It sounds very strange. Very strange. But I'm into it. Yeah, I like those buzzwords. Looks like maybe a black and white film, science fiction. Yeah. Okay. And then in 1984, he oh, was in. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm sorry, Tori. You know, one of the writers credited on that is William S. Burroughs, which makes me think it might be a Burroughs adaptation of some oh, kind. Yeah, maybe. Which would be interesting. Um, so yeah, then in 84, he does Streets of Fire, which was another film that we watched uh, yeah. before doing this podcast, because it was just a Walter Hill movie that uh, recently got released on Netflix. Yeah, Netflix has yeah. this right now, I think. Um, and seems to be one that like a lot of people like were trying to find for a bit. So uh, It's like a cult favorite yeah. that I think there is like a, a Shout Factory Blu-ray or yeah. something at this point, but is like it doesn't float around that much. It's yeah. a little harder to see, I think. And um, you know, I'm a big Walter Hill. We just talked about this recently on the show. Yeah. I'm a big Walter Hill fan, and I, I definitely enjoyed this movie. I know you were not as hot on it. No, um, not, not not my favorite. Yeah, uh, I was just rewatching scenes from it today and, and realizing I think I liked it even more than I thought. Um, I really like this movie. Um, yeah, Paxton has a pretty small role in it. He's, he's like, like a, a bartender. He's, yeah, he, he's introduced as a bartender, and he's just kind of like one of the small town dudes that yeah. like lives in this place where all of this like chaos is happening he just uh, has like a couple lines of dialogue yeah really. he's just like you know kind of goofy like bill paxton he's like still doing a, th- a thing it's and trying to add more to his character but definitely uh, i feel like the thing with paxton is that he's always adding texture to the yes. movie he's in right he's never just like fades into the background of the movie yeah uh, and then the same year, he's in a film called Impulse with Meg Tilly and Tim Matheson, which yeah. was a movie that we watched because it sounded really weird. Uh, the general premise of that is that there's like an earthquake in this small town, uh, and then everyone just starts to act like pretty wild, and it's kind of revealed that like whatever happened is like unleashing like people's like inner impulses and they're acting off of those and there's no like nothing that like stops them from yeah doing it. they refer to it as like they have no filter anymore yeah so they like just do whatever and like it gets wild it really uh, does it, it's like and it wasn't like a favorite it was like it's an but oddly boring movie it is oddly for boring. what the premise is and even paxton is like a little boring like his his mom is in the hospital yeah. and he's kind of just this like he works on the farm and he's like this kind of meek character playing a much more subdued uh, character yeah. than really anything prior in his and career he still is like a little bit of a weirdo in it yeah. but uh it's like much more quiet and subdued than like in his other roles and 
it's also more like everybody in the town is a fucking weirdo. So like he doesn't yeah. like stand out necessarily. But he might be like an actual weirdo right. like before this thing happened, right. you know, right. uh, which I think is what the film alludes to a little bit. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's a, a weird plot point that is kind of thrown away and not really discussed. True, true. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, it pretty like pretty wild film. It, like it, that was fun to watch. It's though. got enough like really fucking weird just like total left turn scenes that yeah. I think make it worth watching. Even though I do think for like a movie that is as weird and wild as it is, it's mm-hmm. kind of boring. Yeah. Uh, he is then in the Terminator yeah. uh, as the punk leader that gets murdered like immediately when the Terminator comes to. This is the other thing I was trying to think of. Yeah. when I said he got murdered by a predator. Yeah, a, he, yeah a, I was like, what did he look like Terminator. in this movie? And he's got huge like blue spikes. Yep. Like he is. Just a punk. He looks like a punk from the movie SLC Punk. Yeah, like he, very he funny. looks like what you classically think of as like an eighties punk. Yeah. Uh and uh he has a great line in this where he says, uh, I think you're a few cans short of a six pack, man, to uh Arnold Schwarzenegger's death machine. <laughs> just destroys him. Yeah. Uh yeah, I mean really his like films like from are just like all like boom, 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 like at, at this point. Oh, yeah. It's like in like just going a bunch like dominoes. Camera yeah. puts him in Terminator and then his star is rising. Yeah. Uh, in 1985, he was in Weird Science. He played Chet, who's the like older big brother, which I've seen Weird Science. I just don't remember much of it. It's yeah. not like a fave. So I saw, this was on uh, like Comedy Central a lot when yeah. I was growing up. And so I definitely have seen this movie. I don't know that I've ever watched it start to finish. Mm-hmm. But Chet is definitely, like, a fan favorite character of his. Yeah, it's one that, like, he talks about later on that gets brought up all the time to him. Like, yes. it's one that people have, like, really grabbed onto as, like, a role of his they love. Well, and it's it's got the meathead thing. Yeah. It's got the bully thing. Yeah. It's got the goofball thing. It's got the thing where, and I heard in an interview where he said, like, he actually is the author of a lot of his dialogue in a mm-hmm. lot of movies. Because he just uses phrases that his dad would say all the time in a oh, lot of yeah, his dialogue. Oh, yeah, something about that. And yeah. I guess his dad was like a traveling salesman, so he's like a classic fast talker. Yeah. And so he would just like say these crazy phrases that he would ask him about, and his dad would be like, I don't, I just like heard that somewhere, and now I just repeat it all the time. And yeah. so things like, you look like you're a few cans short of a six-pack is mm-hmm. like something his dad would say. And so like Chet is like wall-to-wall weird his dad catchphrases yeah. calling people dickweed and stuff like that yeah. it's just like weird uh phrases that are very fun to say uh funny character for sure uh so uh, he's then in commando uh which we've seen and talked about a couple times so we love this movie uh he has a very very small role he's literally in it. just on the other end of a radio basically yeah. while they are stealing a plane yeah it's very strange but yeah he he is in it i remember thinking that's very strange now that like i remember who he was in it i'm like oh why are you just in this scene it's when you think about it on the full trajectory of his career it's like i guess you hadn't done your big stuff yet yeah. But you had, like, you were Chet. Like, you had, like, big roles and stuff, you know? Like, it's weird that he's, like, totally a no-name character in that movie. Um, And then in 1986, he does Aliens, uh, which I have a a note here about it, uh, because... Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, He said, so I had a good reading, but I didn't feel like I had really set the world on fire. I went back and didn't hear for, oh God, it must have been six weeks. So then I got a call in the morning. It was nighttime here. It was Jim calling to say, I want you to play the role of Hudson. Uh, You could probably hear me howl all the way back to California. Uh, That was a great experience for me. A great role in a great production. He speaks like very highly of like this film and the camaraderie and just like how much fun they had doing Aliens, which is great considering like you have such a weird like 
like just this like mercenary kind of group. Uh, they're like all like army kind of people. There's definitely a hyper masculinity to this yeah. movie, which is intentional because he's trying to set Ripley, you know, yeah. against that stuff. But um, even like the female like yeah. characters. Oh, yeah, they it's... they talk about getting Arturian Poontang, which I believe in the context of the Alien series means they're literally talking about like wanting to fuck aliens. Yeah, they're all just like yeah. hypersexual and like yeah. Um, and you know he these are some of his like classic lines of dialogue from mm-hmm. this movie. This is the game over, man. It's game over. That's you yeah. Know, him in this movie, everybody knows. He's that got like line. a skull painted on his. Uh... Yeah, they they're His all outfit. doing like kind of a Vietnam look with their yeah, their outfits. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, I mean this movie feels like the one that kind of uh gives him his big break, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is Chet maybe has as much screen time, but this feels like a big movie that is huge. Yeah. It's a sequel to something. It's like, you know, yeah. and and he's one, you know, one of the ensemble in a mo- in a movie that is an ensemble yeah. movie, you know. Um, I, I like him in this movie quite a bit. I'm not a huge fan of this movie, actually. I think this movie is, like, fine. Um, I know I'm kind of in the minority on that, but he's definitely a lot of fun in this movie. Yeah, he's really fun. And then, yeah, like, right after that, 1987, he does Near Dark, uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow and stars in it with Lance Henriksen, uh, who he's just in Aliens with. Yep. Um, he It says, like, having gone through a, what Paxton described as a baptism of fire with Cameron on Aliens, he, Goldstein, and uh, Henriksen formed a strong family unit as a result, which made the making of Near Dark feel like a homecoming. Right, because this is, like, a lot of, you know, it's this thing that's going on in like the 80s and 90s with Bigelow and Cameron and this kind of like crew of actors that worked on a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. with them it's like a whole little like crew that kind of develops out of uh, Cameron's you know work on Terminator and, and forward yeah, and uh, this is a movie that uh, Garrett has seen. I just watched today because I had never seen it, but it was one that I like. I hear about all the time. I like know Paxton's look very specifically from this movie, and so I was like, all right, it's like probably one I should watch. And it's like a vampire movie, and I I dig a lot of vampire movies. Um, I thought this was like pretty fun. Um, I I wanted to like it more. I think like the the main storyline with like the kid that gets turned and doesn't want to necessarily be a vampire, but he likes this vampire girl is like not that interesting as like the core storyline, but all the stuff with the vampire family and like Bill Paxton and and Henriksen and stuff is like really good and fun. And Paxton is like fucking like an 11 in this movie. He is so fun in this movie. He's got this great, like not quite a mullet, you know, like Mm -hmm haircut going on he's got that incredible jacket that he's yep, wearing with like the plaid shirt yeah. and like ripped up jeans he's like doing a grungy punk thing again Dro- drooling blood in pretty much like, every scene all the know? time yeah. yeah he's always covered in blood and uh you, you mentioned when we were talking earlier that he's got that great scene at the bar where he gets in the bar fight mm-hmm. and the bartender is trying to like take him down but he's just teasing the guy and then eventually with the spur on the back of his cowboy boot slits his throat which is an incredible kill wild not just for that being such a unique kind of fun idea but also like he hits that guy like five times in the neck it with his spur a it's, while. It, yeah, it's like really gruesome yeah uh and yeah i'm with you i think that the vampire sequences are the most fun yeah, things like he's in the movie. really great in it. Yeah. i even wanted like henriksen to be having more fun in this movie he's kind of quiet and subdued he, right he is because he's, he's like the leader of yeah, the yeah he's like of? the the dad type yeah, and like right. he's still very good they're, they're all really good for the most part i think the only one i didn't really connect with at all is like that lead uh actor right right um but 
Yeah, like, Henriksen is, like, kind of subdued, and Paxton is, like, the fucking wild card of the group. So he's, like, funneling all of that energy, like, just into him, which is interesting, but, yeah. like, is is really fun. Like, I like their dynamic. And it feels like the... It's not, like, the culmination of this character for him, right? I think he goes on to do this a little more, but, like, yeah. it does feel like the kind of, like... This is Chet and all of those other characters mixed up into one, like, yeah. drunk, hyperbolic character, you yeah. know? Um, and it's a lot of fun. He's, like, having a ball, yeah. clearly. He's he's so great. There's a, a thing here, too, about uh, during the times they were shooting at night, Paxton, who was made up in his gory vampire makeup as though half his face was chopped off, kept going up to people driving through town, telling them he had just been in a horrible car accident. <laughs> this little prank always ended with Henriksen saying, if you think he looks bad, you should see the other guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so Lance Henriksen really is a dad. He really is a dad. Yeah, okay. I uh, think it's so fun. Also, this uh, film has a Tangerine Dream score, which uh, always makes me excited. Yeah, we're huge fans. Yeah, big fans. Yeah. So that was also good. Yeah. Um, in 1988, he was in a film called Pass the Ammo, which was a comedy starring Tim Curry. Oh, um, I watched that. In 1989, he was in a film called Slipstream, which was a sci-fi film with Mark Hamill. Okay. Um, Earth has been devastated by natural disasters and giant winds rule the planet. Bounty hunter Matt kidnaps a murderer out of the hands of two police officers planning to get the bounty on him. Uh, these, in turn, turn out to, they eventually like hunt down these two men. Uh, so it, it seems like maybe it's not great, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it doesn't Mar sound that interesting. Mark Hamill kind of famously didn't have a great yeah. career following but Star like, Wars. But anytime I see him in something other than Star Wars, I'm like, I should watch yeah. it because I, I love Mark Hamill. He's yeah, great. Um, he then does Next of Kin, which stars Patrick Swayze and Liam Neeson. Um, there's on the uh, poster, it just says Seeking Justice, Country Style. Okay. So that's I, I really mean, all you need to know. I would watch that, just that cast. And uh, then he was in a film called Back to Back, which was a modern day Western. Okay. Uh, and then we get to his uh, career in the 90s. Uh, for TV, he was in stuff like Tales from the Crypt, which is really fun. Um, and then in 1990, he does the movie Brain Dead uh, with Bill Pullman, which we also watched. Hell yeah, we did. Uh, it was weird. This was one <laughs> of my so favorite weird. ones. Really? That we watched for this. Oh, yeah. Man. I thought this was fun. This is like a little forgettable now that I'm like a couple. Oh, really? No, this I'm, is I'm not even a one... couple days. We yeah. watched it yesterday. We watched it yesterday. <laughs> this is actually the one that I think I've thought about the most. Oh, that's interesting. Because it's, I mean, it's weird. And it it's is, well. I always think that Bill Pullman has weird energy and yeah, stuff. Yeah, you get the Pullman-Paxton duo. You get the Pullman-Paxton duo, which I don't think ever happened otherwise in the history yeah. of movies. People confuse these actors all the time. Yep. There is one movie in which they co-star. Yep. It is this movie. It is this weird movie that is written by one of the main writers on the Twilight Zone. So yes, it's got right. like a lot of Twilight own vibes oh totally um and i think maybe feels like it would work like better as like a small like twilight zone episode does, there's like interesting ideas here but it goes on a little too long it does kind of feel like it's spinning its wheels at a certain point yeah. and not even to, it spinning its wheels is a weird way to say it. it's more just like the way this plot develops mm. you kind of get the picture pretty quick yeah uh, and they kind of go through this like sort of twist over and over and over again at a certain point, yeah. which I think is part of the idea, but is also like, if it were a 30-minute episode of TV, you'd be able to do that, and it would get the picture across, yeah. and you could, you know. Um, but I do think that, like, for Pullman being such a weird actor that I don't think people think of as a weird actor, mm. this movie really preys on that weird energy of his yeah, in ways that I think are pretty fun. Because then Paxton, like, on the contrast, is 
is weird, but he is like corporate America weird. He's doing a really good white yeah. collar character, yeah, which is so different from what slicked, he had done before. Slicked back. He's got like one of those big dark like suits on yep. the whole time, and he's playing his dad. Basically, he's playing like this fast talking businessman yeah, who's like trying good. to sell this project. Basically, yeah. Um, and uh, I think he's really good in this, and I do think it's like a nice kind of other shade of him mm-hmm. that starts proving what I think you and I are going to bear out as we talk more about him, which is just like, he could be in anything. I mean, yeah. you could put him in any kind of role, and he makes sense. Yeah. He makes sense in so many different kinds of characters. Agreed. Um, and yeah, it, it, I actually liked this movie quite a bit. I think people should check this out, although you're not wrong. It's it's definitely weird. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. I did, yeah, I didn't love it as much as I, I hoped I would. Okay, fair. Uh, he then does a film called The Last of the Finest about four LA cops who are fighting the war on drugs. There's a corrupt superiors. Uh, they manage to break up their team. When one of them is, gets killed, the three quit LAPD and continue investigating. Oh, okay. I, I like a good detectives that have quit the force but yeah. are still detecting. Uh, he's then in Navy Seals with Charlie Sheen and Michael Bean. This is another one where I'm like, I'm sure I've seen Navy Seals, but mm. I don't remember shit about Navy Seals. But interesting that he continues to get to work with Michael Bean throughout yeah. his career. Uh, he then does Predator 2 with Danny Glover uh-huh. and Gary Busey, which was directed by Stephen Hopkins, who did Nightmare on Elm Street 5, which yeah, I didn't uh, realize. Another one that I know I've seen. I don't know if I've seen all of Predator 2. I've mm. definitely seen some of it. I don't really remember much of it, really, at all. Like, I don't yeah, even really I'm remember I'm kind of interested Paxton in watching in it. it. I haven't, because I, we I just watched Predator for the first time, like, kind of recently. Yeah. So. And, uh, you know, the whole concept is from the jungle yeah. to the urban jungle, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, which is a good premise for a Predator movie. I've heard yeah. it's not great, but good premise premise for a predator what they did with jurassic park so yeah uh in 1991 he's in the dark backward with laura flynn boyle rob lowe and james Kahn. i really want to see this one uh it's about a man who pursues stand-up comedy encouraged by his fellow garbage man yeah i would like to see this movie this was like i think one of the indies that he people there somebody joked in one of the interviews i was watching that like he you know it was an interview for Apollo 13 mm-hmm. and that, you know, he's sitting next to like Kevin Bacon and Tom Hanks and the interviewer is talking to them. Like they're these huge movie stars, even though Pullman uh, or uh, Paxton is at this point as well, mm-hmm. but they kind of joke about Paxton, like doing these movies that nobody's ever heard of. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you probably got to look me up. Huh? <laughs> oh man. And they use this as an example of like one of the kind of like, you know, weird offbeat movies that he would be in. Yeah. Uh, in 1992, he does uh, One False Move with Billy Bob Thornton about a small-town police chief who awaits the arrival of a gang of killers. Um, his, a lot of people said that his big break did not come until his lead role in this film, which was like pretty uh, critically acclaimed. Yeah, uh, I've never seen this, but I've always wanted to. I've heard really good things about yeah. this movie. Uh, he then is in a film called The Vagrant with Michael Ironside about a businessman who buys a house, but he has a hard time trying to get rid of its previous tenant, a dirty bum. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A dirty bum. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of wanted to watch this just because we like Michael Ironside so yeah, much. Yeah, it sounds very weird. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's on like Tubi, so it's definitely available. It's available if people want to watch it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's then in a film called Trespass with Ice T, Ice Cube, and William Sadler, and it's directed by Walter Hill. I know. I need to see this movie. Yeah. I've, as I've said, I love Walter Hill, and yep. that is, I mean, to get both the ices in one movie, yeah. I, I need to see this movie. Yeah. Double really ice. Yeah, exactly. And I like William Sadler. He, he's a fun one, too. 
Uh, it's also funny just because we uh, our Casey Lemons episode got released today, and I keep thinking the Fear of a Black Hat, where yes. they make fun of all the ice characters, ice tray. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Frozen ice. Frozen ice. Um, and then in 1993, he's in the film Boxing Helena, uh, which was directed by uh, David Lynch's daughter. Uh, Jennifer? Yeah, it's Jennifer. I forget her middle name. Hold yeah, on, I'm gonna she... find it in a second. Uh, Jennifer Chambers Lynch. Yes. Yeah, right. Uh, this is the movie I can't stop thinking about. I really, really like this movie. I although like it seems too. like a lot of people don't really like this movie. Uh, people seem to think it's cheesy, and I, I guess that's not wrong. But uh, I don't know. I, it, I didn't. It works for me. Yeah, like, a lot. I, yeah, I, I actually thought this knew exactly what it was doing. Me too. And so I don't know. I guess that doesn't mean it's not cheesy, yeah. but I feel like cheesy is bad when a movie doesn't know it's cheesy, right? Yeah. Like I yeah, like we talked about this. This is a film that feels like it has like a purposeful sense of humor and it doesn't seem like maybe a lot of people picked up on the fact that like it's supposed to have this sense of humor. So yeah. I don't I don't know. I like I found it pretty funny. Yeah, like it stars... Julian Sands yeah. is so immediately pathetic. And continues to be so pathetic throughout yes. the movie that I just thought it was supposed to be kind of funny yeah. that he's like, because he, it's literally about a guy who goes on one date with somebody and becomes so obsessed with her, he throws his impending marriage out the door. Yeah. I think we're meant to think that they're, are they like, maybe they're not engaged, but like. No, the one of the friends is like, oh, I bet he's going to propose to you tonight. Right, he right, threw right. this big party, but he threw the big party because Helena was going to be Helena there. Helena was going to be there, right. And so, yeah. I mean, the movie is very clearly, I think, like about, you know, before this is a word or anything, but like it's about like incels and it's about like the, the type of creep that does yeah. become obsessed with somebody after one date and won't take no for an answer yeah. and can't just let Helena be Helena. It's also Needs got... to put Helena in a box. It's literally what the movie's about. It's, yeah. you know. it's got Norman Bates vibes yep. to me too. Like it, it is kind of about this guy who like has oh, recently sure. lost his like a very cruel mother and is kind of trying to find like a replacement because like he's a, somehow equated like cruelty with love. And uh, Helena, played by Sherilyn Fenn, who's like gorgeous in this movie, yeah. um, is very cruel and vain. And like uh, it seems to be the reason why he is like so in love with her. And it's great because she just is fucking terrible to him the whole time. Like even after he's like got her in the house trapped, she's just like, you're fucking pathetic. Yeah. And I, it's so good. I, I would love to write about this movie because I think there is so much interesting stuff going on about like relationships and just like terrible people and like all of this stuff. And then she's dating Bill, not dating Bill Paxton. She's fucking, Bill she's Paxton. fucking Bill Paxton who yeah. I guess like maybe owns a club or something. He I mean, wears, he, he wears a lot of like leather pants yeah. with mesh shirts yeah, and nothing does. underneath. So you just see like his nipples Hell yeah. and he's got like big poofy, like, like, I don't know. It's like kind of romantic styled hair. Like there's that first scene when they're having sex and we were both like, Oh, whoa. She's like, you know, having sex with this hot dude. And then we're like, Oh, that's Bill. Paxton okay he's got that hair that Kurt Russell has had his yeah, whole career yeah, yeah. which is like not quite a mullet but like kind of yeah it's like kind of feathered yeah. and stuff yeah uh yeah and he's he's very weird and it also very chaotic in this he has a, oh, a sure. line that's really great because she's like I'm going to Mexico like leave me the fuck alone like get out of my house and then he goes hasta whatever yeah. and like walks out of her apartment and you're like what a douchebag I love that he was in Terminator which by 1993 had become a big cultural phenomenon because I yeah. think Terminator 2 is like 
maybe the year before this movie. And so I love that it has to whatever. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's great in this and, yeah. and is, yeah, like you said, real chaos energy out yeah. of him. Not in it a ton, but makes a big impression in the scenes that he's in. Yes. Um, yeah, like none of the dudes in this seem to be great, except for maybe Art Garfunkel, who's right. like oh, his yeah, right. friend. That's right. Art Garfunkel is in <laughs> yeah. this movie and does seem to be playing a, a decent enough person, yeah. right? Um, he like cares for Julian Sands yeah. and know that he's like got some issues, but like doesn't necessarily think he's dangerous. So right. he's just like, it's okay, dude. Like, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely thinks it's a real poor move that yeah. Helena is invited to the party and like tries to, I think, tell him yeah, better and like, otherwise. What you are know? you doing? Yeah. Yeah. you idiot yeah. yeah it's pretty funny um and i gotta say as much as i do agree with you like helena's this cruel kind of person right mm. like my read on the movie is that like even with that being the yeah. case the real thing the movie about is just like sure she's maybe cruel or mean to yeah. other people or whatever that does not mean she deserves any of what she's no, getting out of you and i don't or... i don't think that i, I is know you the don't case. I, I know you don't. i would never say I that know, i know <laughs> I just thought that was like such an interesting aspect of the movie that it's like, yeah, sure. She's maybe mean to him sometimes or whatever. And maybe that's why he's attracted to her or whatever. But like, it's also like, you should be able to tell a dude, fuck off, leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. And he should be able to be like, okay. Right. And not continue to obsess and be weird. Not even anything that wrong with the kind of cruel that she is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, She's just like, I don't know. She strikes me as like, She's like kind of bored yeah. and she's got all these people around yeah. her that worship her yeah. like she is a goddess and yep. she treats them in kind that way. Yeah. She is like a, a cruel goddess yeah. queen and I, think, I love it. And I think she knows like people want certain things out of her. And yeah. so she is at this point accepting of that and just like returns yeah. the same kind. Because I think she sees that as cruel in its yeah. own way oh, and yeah. returns that kind of cruelty to yeah. people. You it's, know? it's great. Yeah. I, I like this movie so much. I, I did I think, too. I, I actually think more people should like this movie. Me too. And, and I think like go into it uh you know maybe accepting what it is for what it is and and you know yeah uh just like uh, let helena be helena yeah let her let her do Uh. her thing uh he is then in indian summer which is like a romance drama uh he does monolith which was a sci-fi with john hurt uh two cops investigating the murder of a young boy become involved in a very secret project involving alien life needless to say the authorities don't want them to stick their noses into it i mean this sounds kind of good to me yeah it sounds maybe interesting uh, he then does a film called Tombstone, which is directed by George P. Cosmatos, uh, with Sam Elliott, Val Kilmer, and Kurt Russell. How did I not know George directed Tombstone? He did direct Tombstone, yeah. Uh, and we, yeah, we just talked about him, so I was like, oh, that's fun. I have seen this movie, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, I people love this movie. Yeah, I don't. Okay. I maybe need to see it again now that I'm kind of into you like some westerns. westerns. Yeah, but like. I, I this movie I thought was kind of boring. Yeah, I will say this is another movie with a great Bill Paxton death scene. Spoiler for this movie. Great. Um, but he has this incredible line. He's like dying in um, uh, Kurt Russell's arms, and he says to Kurt Russell, "You know that thing I always told you about dying, about how you see the light. There's no light. There's nothing." And then he just like dies in his Jesus. arms. It's like, and it is. I, th- I believe if I remember right, it's kind of the inciting event for like the big violent finale. It's a very similar death in. What's the wages of fear? Oh, yeah. He's dying. He's like, I see nothing. And then he just dies. You're like, oh, well, that was fucking depressing. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty tragic. <laughs> He's really good in that scene. He So, like, he is good in this movie. I just, I don't know. People love this movie, and I, I, I don't get it. Uh, he, in 1994, does a horror anthology called Future Shock, which I've never heard of. Yeah, I actually kind of want to see this movie. Yeah. 
Um, he then does True Lies from director James Cameron. So working with Cameron again. True of Lies course. is a great movie. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I think it's really fun and funny. And he is very funny in it. He plays this very memorable character named Simon that is uh, flirting with Jamie Lee Curtis throughout the movie. He's got a lot of funny like back and forth one on one stuff with Arnold throughout the movie. He's oh, nice. Really delightful. Again, he's playing a used car salesman in this movie, so he again gets to play his father, sort of this like flat, fast talking, yeah. smarmy salesman. He's really fun in this. Uh, and then he does a film called Frank and Jess, which is a western with Rob Lowe, which uh, he worked with at some point previous in his career as well. I think so. Now that it's, I, I, I'm always fascinated by these people that get to work together multiple times. Yeah. Um, and then he does Apollo 13, which I definitely saw when I was a kid. I don't remember anything about this movie, except I, I maybe when like they pee out, out into outer <laughs> yeah, space. I sure. think that's like the one thing I remember. I uh, saw this in theaters, I remember. Mm. Um, and I remember liking, I mean, this was one of my earliest kind of movie theater memories is Apollo 13 and mm. being really amazed by, you know, the special effects and the performances. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting going through Paxton's career for this episode and realizing like, I really did grow up with this guy. Like this yeah. guy was in everything from my youth. He's in so much. Yeah. Uh, he then does in 1995, a comedy called the last supper. And in 1996, he is in the film twister, which I watched for the first time this week. Twister is a fucking rock yeah. and roll movie. I mean, I talked about this so much, but yeah, it's like, I was six when this came out. And it was a movie that I remember the trailer very vividly, but like this, like my parents may have like gone to the theaters and seen it, but like it's not a thing that they like let us watch or thought about letting us watch really. Because I don't think they really cared for this kind of stuff. Uh, but it's so fun. Yeah. And it's John DeBont, who we. John DeBont is DeBont. the fucking man. Yeah. He's a great director. Yeah, I think he directs the shit out of this movie. Um, there is a really funny. Um, I I saw like uh when I was looking at Bill Paxton interviews, a lot of the stuff is just about like how he passed away in 2017. So it was so recently. But one of them had like tweets from a lot of different people just saying like what a lovely person he was. Um, one of them was from Carrie Elwes, who I love, who was in Twister and kind yes. of plays his rival in it and says like you know like Bill Paxton was such a great person. Like I'm thinking about like him and his family, but he posted a picture of like Paxton like getting ready to like beat the shit out of him <laughs> from Twister underneath it, which I think is like a really funny like thing that he was like oh yeah you like beat the shit out of me in this movie but like you're really sweet (laughs) yeah i i mean i love this movie just kind of generally i think it's really well directed i actually think the effects work is very strong throughout there's a lot of really good practical stuff throughout this movie um but my big thing about this movie is i just think like you know paxton never got to lead movies rarely got to lead movies and here he gets to truly be a leading Hollywood man yeah, in a blockbuster movie that is actually a B movie. Yeah. I mean, it's a big budget movie, so it's not mm-hmm. technically a B movie, but it's a monster movie. The tornadoes are literally like sentient monsters. Well, yeah, there's a there's an interview about uh, about Twister that he did, and he says, "I think this is going to be the tornadoes of uh, he's. I think this is going to do for tornadoes what Jaws was for sharks." Interestingly enough, people' perception of tornadoes is the sort of anthropomorphic entity, beast, rogue, murderer, that it's um, capricious, it's, it'll kill everybody in one row of houses and across the street, it won't even touch them, just break up windows or something. It'll pick up babies, suck a baby right out of the house and drop it 300 yards away, totally unharmed. <laughs> By the same token, it'll pick up a cow 
suck it into the stratosphere and it'll rain hamburger. <laughs> These things are amazing. What they'll do. I saw pictures of just crazy things that don't make sense. I read many accounts. <laughs> uh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, I saw an interview with him where he's like, because he's from Texas. He's like, I'm yeah. from Tornado Alley. I, yeah. He's like, you know, I, I was really interested in playing this tornado chaser and basically describing the same thing yeah. about how they seem discriminate, right? Like the yeah. way that tornadoes, quote unquote, kill seems yeah. like they, they make choices. Yeah. And he used to like, what, like introduced as kind of this like square that was cool that like used to, you know, be this badass tornado hunter. Now he's going to be a weatherman, yeah. which is like such an insult whenever someone says it to his face. But like, you know, he he's, is like one of these badass, like, you know, storm chasers. Yeah. And he and Helen Hunt have really great chemistry. That's like, the it's other so thing. good. I think their chemistry is yeah. great in this movie. Like this movie is about their relationship for me, yeah. and I I like that. I don't know. I think yeah. this movie really works as like just big cheesy American yeah. entertainment. You know, it's got that great fucking drive-in sequence where yeah. The Shining is playing while a tornado rips through the screen. Yeah. Also, there's an amazing old like uh, magazine cover I saw that was like a promotional thing for Twister, and it's him and Helen Hunt with a fake tornado around them, and he's like in this like whoa pose, <laughs> and like the person that like posted it was like only like the best sort of person would pose for something like this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, like you should see it. It's it's amazing. I'll have to look it up. Uh, yeah, I, I love uh, Twister. I, I think Twister is a great movie yeah. that people should really give another look to because I think it still somehow has a reputation of being just kind of a cheesy clunker from that time. Yeah. And it's so fun. I do not agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. Um, in 1997, he does Titanic, which I have never seen all the way That's through. insane to me. I'm pretty sure I saw this like twice on the big no, screen. No, it was really like cheesy and dumb looking. And like my mom was like, ugh, fuck <laughs> this movie. Wow. And like, so I never really saw all of it. And then the parts I did see, I was like, oh, these are kind of cheesy. Yeah, it's a James Cameron movie, like through <laughs> yeah. and through. It's yeah. cheesy as hell, but but very, I, I think this movie is actually pretty yeah. good. It's, it's I think fun. Rose is a murderer. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Uh, I, I, I like this movie. I I think this movie's pretty yeah. good. And, uh, you know, he plays, like, basically James Cameron, essentially. He plays, like, a guy that is in charge of this yeah. diving team that's going down to look at the Titanic, like, in current yeah, he's wearing, day. like, one of those great, like... Uh, Corded sweaters, right? Yeah. Oh, I love those sweaters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that just, like, sailors are allowed to wear. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and uh, doesn't he have like some stubble too? He's got like a little facial yeah, hair he may. going on. Yeah, right? he looks good. Like, yeah, like I, from the hair, from I the stills, even. I don't know, but from the stills I saw, he like looked very good. Yeah, yeah. So he's he basically bookends the movie. He's in like the opening and closing of the movie because the scenes take place in present day and then all flashback. Yeah. yeah. Um, in 1998, he does a film called A Simple Plan, which was directed by Sam Raimi and has Bridget Fonda and Billy Bob Thornton. I found a very funny interview where he talks about how his dad got a role in this film. Oh, yes. He wrote Sam Raimi a letter requesting a small role, which Sam Raimi was like, sure. Paxton didn't find out his dad was going to be in the movie until he read the cast list. It was yep. like, that's my dad. Yep. <laughs> and his dad's like you know, doesn't do much from what I know. So he was like, yeah, like, he's like, my dad retired and was like, oh, I think I want to be an actor. And, and <laughs> he's just like, you want to retire and, and then become an actor? Like, yeah. that's like, you can't really do that. That's so hard. Uh, I love that story. I think it's hilarious. It's great. Uh, by the way, this is a good movie. I've seen this movie. Oh, cool. Uh, Sam Raimi is another favorite of mine. This is like... Seems like a weird film for him. It is. It's, it's maybe his only... No, not his only. I think he's done one or two other movies like this. But like... Uh, um, 
it's not high style the way that his stuff normally yeah. is with like crazy moving cameras and stuff. Yeah. This is very much like kind of noirish. Um, it's it's one of those movies where it's literally about guys that find a plane that crashed and there's a shitload of money in it, mm. and they realize like, well, somebody probably wants to find this money, but if we report the plane and take the money ourselves. No one will ever know the money was there, where yeah. who found it. And then, of course, it turns out this is not so simple a plan. People really are looking for the money. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes this twisted tale of what they'll do to keep the money. Um, yeah. it's, it's good. It's really fun. Um, he then is in Mighty Joe Yun, which I definitely saw. Saw but that on the big screen as well. Can't remember him in. Yep. Uh, yeah, this has a big digital monkey in it that honestly looked pretty good when yeah. I was watching clips in it today. Yeah. Uh, I remember being like a staple of my childhood. Yeah. Um, and then we get to his career in the 2000s. Uh, so for TV, he was on Frasier, and then he gets the lead in Big Love, which was like a, a really big deal. Uh, was on that on HBO? HBO? Yeah. Yeah, he's like a, a, bigamist. A, a bigamist. Yeah, and he's got three wives. So it yeah. was kind of this like, you know, sexy HBO show that he gets to be the lead in, Very uh, cool. which is like pretty wild. Yeah. Yeah, I never saw that. Did you ever watch that? Uh, I saw a couple episodes. It was one, like, I remember I was, like, still pretty young when it was on, but, like, I watched some HBO things with my mom. This was one, like, she was, like, ugh. Like, because right. we're not, like, a super religious household, so even just, like, the concept of these, like, Mormon yeah. types and stuff was, like, a little hard to, like, yeah, I don't know fair. why I want to like these characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did see, like, some episodes of it because I was very intrigued by that concept, just being, like, what? This person has three wives? Like, what the hell? Like, how does that even work? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I know people love this show. Um, and then in 2000, he was in U571, which I definitely saw in history class in high school. Saw it on the big screen uh, as well. With Matthew McConaughey uh, yep. as like one of the leads in it. So it's like a World War II. Uh, is this directed by Bigelow? A submarine movie. Uh, it may well be. I have the, the link here. I have it too. Why do I have Jonathan that Jonathan Mostow? Oh, Mostow directed this one. Yeah, okay. Yes. I don't know why I had that in my head. I feel like she did do a submarine movie at oh, some point. Oh, he did point. Terminator 3. He did do Terminator 3. Yeah, that's like the big Mostow thing that I'm familiar with. Um, He is then in the film Vertical Limit, which I definitely remember hearing about I a lot. I <laughs> also saw it on the big screen. Yeah, Again, wild. I'm going through this guy's filmography, and I'm like, I literally saw like all of these movies yeah. in theaters. Like He was a huge part of my childhood. He's like the villain of Vertical Limit. Mm. He's like the guy that wants to go to the top of K2 mm -hmm. and it's because he like he tried to once before in his life and didn't get to the top Got and it. so he it's like a big deal that he's now going again and he's going to get to the top and okay. he hires this guide who pretty quickly into it is like the conditions are wrong we mm. have to turn around and he basically like is the person that is like fuck no we're not turning around I hired you to get me to the top we're going to the top Jesus. and that's what causes the kind of disaster of the movie okay yeah um, and then in 2001, he is in and directs the film Frailty with Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Um, this is like we kind watched of a thriller, this... horror adjacent movie. Yeah, we watched this last night. And I think overall, like, I liked it. I think I have some ultimate problems with, like, the... It's that early 2000s, like, twist kind of thing that these movies all had to have. Yeah. And I don't love it because I don't love what that means for the rest of the movie. I'm kind of um, with you about that. But I think the film... Itself, which like Paxton stars as this dad who by all accounts seems mentally ill and believes mm -hmm. like God is talking to him and telling him to hunt demons and like essentially murder people. Yes. Uh, and it is like a, he's great. It's like a really scary and fascinating portrayal. I, I think of like mental illness and mm -hmm. being a kid and recognizing that like your parent isn't 
one thing isn't perfect, but then is maybe potentially doing bad things. Mm -hmm. And like, you don't know like how to stop them or Mm -hmm. like what to do. Um, And I think all of that is really good and scary and interesting. Um, And yeah, it's like a directed well, Uh, like this is a, a good like thriller for the time. I think there's a lot of, I mean, I saw this when I was a kid as well. I I don't know that I saw this one on the big screen, but I remember Mm -hmm. renting this as a kid and like, there are distinctive things that I remember from this movie yeah. that like shed that he goes into where mm-hmm. he finds the ax and the gloves and the way the light all shines through the yeah, boards. So creepy. The hole that the kid digs. Like there's some images in this yeah. that like are like kind of burned into my memory. Um, but I do agree with you that the ultimate twist in a weird way, like absolves the father character. Yeah. And that's like kind of the problem with it. Right. I agree. Um, and so I watched an interview today where Paxton was talking about this movie in Dallas at like some film festival mm-hmm. there. Um, I think. Um, and I wasn't sure who the other guy was that was in the interview with him. Okay. I believe it was like a producer on the film or okay. something. And Paxton was like, when I read the script, I was like, this is really cool because it takes place in a universe in which the God is like an actual God and an Old Testament God that like the universe of the movie treats that stuff as if it's real. So in his mind, he actually, I think, was like, what is appealing to me about this is that this like this guy Mm -hmm. isn't wrong, that like at the end of the movie, this guy is not wrong. I think that that is in some weird way what appealed to Paxton about it, whereas the other guy who was sitting right next to him, who obviously worked on the movie as well, was like, I thought what was interesting about the movie was that it's clearly about mental illness and it turns out the person that's telling you the story is also ill. Yeah. That like the reason, so it, in his mind, the ending was not meant to absolve uh, mm. the father figure. Interesting. It, it was meant to kind of like reiterate and double down on like, this is illness and the person telling the story is also ill. Yeah. Um, and I think that's interesting. And it's very interesting that like, people that worked on the yeah. movie had different ideas about that. Yeah. Apparently that's in maybe the, why it feels a little confused. <laughs> sure. Apparently in the original script and the movie was shot this way. Paxton was like, I shot the movie to the script. Every time Paxton touches somebody, he shot what he saw, what that character saw, mm. which you don't see in the movie. James Cameron is who watched the movie and was like, you can't show this stuff. You need to have him touch the people and it's up to the audience whether they think he's seeing shit or not. Yeah. Because that's the only way the rest of the movie really yeah. works is if that's like on the table of something the yeah. audience gets to decide. I think, yeah, I think that's the thing. Like just with my issues with religion in yeah. general, it the idea of people thinking like, oh, yes, like this is like he is doing the right thing is like terrifying to me. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because for me, it is all about like, no, like this, this is mental right. illness. Yeah, Paxton uh, was like, oh, I think he, I think they're demons. Somebody asked him directly. <laughs> Paxton was like, yeah, I think they're, I think they're demons. Oh no. So I, yeah. Paxton, I'm so sorry. That but I it sounded, with you but what, I, what I do think is, it sounded to me like he read it and was like, I like the mythology of this. Yeah. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he like literally thought that that was yeah, like a, yeah. you know what I mean um but yeah I'm, I'm with you that yeah. it feels a little like it's absolving the dad and that's like a problem yeah and I wanted it to not have a twisty ending but right. then I knew given the time period that this was almost definitely gonna have yeah. a twisty ending that I probably wouldn't like and that's exactly what happened so I was also prepared for that disappointment just knowing what like I don't know 2000 like horror and like thrillers were like you well, know and there is a weird kind of nihilism to the way that it absolves yeah, the dad which too. feels very of its time yeah uh, this it's comes... like the darker yeah. way to go about it. This yeah. is technically like a post 9-11 movie, even though it yeah. even though I think it must have been made pre the event. Uh, it doesn't hit U.S. theaters until 2002. Yeah. And it, that ending very much feels in line with a lot of what we were doing yeah. in movies at that time. That makes sense. 
Um, and then in 2002, he was in Spy Kids 2, Island of Lost Dreams, so a I, film that I really love the mythology of. <laughs> I believe I saw the first one in theaters and never any others, but I'm a big Robert Rodriguez fan, and I think it's extremely yeah. cool that he made like basically the same kind of movies he was making for yeah. adults for kids. I saw the first two in theaters, and I remember liking them a lot. In the second one specifically, they go to this island, and one thing I loved was that there were real animals, but they were just miniature size, so cool. you could like hold a giraffe in your hand Hell yeah. and as a kid that was like that's the coolest fucking uh, thing that could ever happen <laughs> i think like stallone eventually plays like a villain in one oh, of that's these funny. or something yeah. but yeah like i i liked these movies too because the kids were fun but also like the mom and dad have a lot of chemistry and they're really fun too it's like uh fucking antonio banderas, banderas and right? i forget that woman's name but she's the one that's in gerald's game i'm pretty sure oh carla gugini yeah Gugino? yeah yeah Gugino? she's the mom and they're like really great to get because they're like these spies so they got this like you you know, sexy spy backstory about how they met. Hot spies. Yeah, it's yeah. like pretty great. Yeah. Also, God, like both of them still like look so yeah. good. It's like crazy. <laughs> um, who, do you know who Paxton plays in these that he I came back for a second one? Sure, yeah, because then the following year he's in Spy Kids 3D, which I don't think I saw this one. I think okay. like this is when maybe I was like getting older, losing interest. I was like 13, so I was like, meh. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I I do think it's interesting. <laughs> Sorry, he plays a character named Dinky Winks. Oh yeah, you gotta bring Dinky. <laughs> Wings back. <laughs> uh, by the way, Spy Kids 3D, definitely the one that stars Stallone. Oh, so funny. Yeah. Um, and then in 2004, he does Club Dread, which is a movie that I've like heard like tons about, but never actually seen because it's one of those like goofy, like spoofy kind of yeah, slasher what things. Are these guys called Broken Lizard. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the guys that did um, Super Troopers. Yes. And his uh, what's his character's his name? His character's name is Coconut Pete. Yes. And he owns the, he owns the resort they the go resort. to, which I think is literally <laughs> called the Coconut Pete's. Amazing. Yeah. I've never seen this. I would like to. I, I kind of like these yeah. guys. I think they're funny. I want to see it just for like who Paxton would be y- yeah. in this world. Um. He's then in a film called Haven with Zoe Saldana and Orlando Bloom, which I had never heard about. Yeah. No, and then either. a film in 2007 called The Good Life with Zoe Deschanel and Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, a Harry Dean movie we didn't yeah. catch up on. Okay. I love the way uh, the Killer Bees, as we now refer to them as a collective, always end up appearing in each other's movies yes, somewhere along the sure. way. They're always threading each other's, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty Yeah, you need cool. to get a, like, a, a cast together. Like, yeah, pull like three or four of these guys in, yep, you know. Yeah. Um, then we get to his films in the 2010s. So uh, for TV, he had a recurring role on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which that I didn't cool. know. That is cool. I did not know that either. And then he also did some voice stuff for Call of Duty, Advanced Warfare, Exo-Zombies. What a, that is too many words for one video yep. game title. And then um, he had a series which he was starring in called Training Day, uh, which he was doing uh, when he passed away. Okay, I think that's based on the movie Training yeah. Day. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah interesting. Um. So yeah, he in 2011 he does Haywire, which we had watched, and big he has a, fan of this movie, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. He had a pretty small role in it, and like people asked him, like you know, you're a big star now, like why do you do stuff like this? And he's like, I wanted to work with Soderbergh, and I yeah. like like that too, where he's just like, yeah, I'll do a small weird thing if it means I get to work with this director I really like admire. And it's actually like a good key role in the film too, yeah. um, uh, playing um, what's her name's dad in it. Um, oh yeah, he's he's very good. Yeah, yeah. he's like an author, and you know, ex military. Yeah and yeah he gets yeah. like that the, the finale ends up being like in his, in his home house. and yeah. uh, he's a lot of fun in that he is a lot of fun yeah it's yeah, actually right. a pretty cool role yeah i kind of i kind of forgot like that movie for some reason like i i 
feel like you've watched it I watched twice it, like, twice, like, like, the week yeah, I saw it. Yeah, and, like, there's the parts of it that I don't totally remember. But, yeah, I do remember, like, he's actually, like, fantastic in, yeah. in that role. Yeah, because yeah. he basically comes to, like, oh, that's right, because he does a lot of lying on his daughter's behalf, which ends yes. up being, like, a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in 2013, he does a film called The Colony with Lawrence Fishburne. I kind of remember this. This is like a low-rent sci-fi movie. Yeah, it says, Forced underground by the next ice age, a struggling outpost of survivors must fight to preserve humanity against a threat even more savage than nature. Probably other humans, if I had to guess. I, I would bet. <laughs> humans are bad. I've seen sci-fi movies before. Yep. Uh, he's then in a film called Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg and Denzel Washington. Listen, if you need two guns, that's who you call yep. the guns. He, he, I saw something where he was talking about this movie and said something about like, oh yeah, well like, you know, this is the extension of like the male penis. Like that's why dudes <laughs> like guns. It's like they like playing with their dicks, so they like playing with guns. And I was like, okay, Bill Paxton, way uh, to go. And you know, that sounds like the level that that movie was playing at. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen it, but that's my what I understand about two I guns. Mean, you know, most uh, you know, most action films I feel like could be boiled down <laughs> yeah, to that. Yeah, you're right. Um, in 2014, he does Edge of Tomorrow, Heck uh, yeah. which I've seen I think twice now. One thing he said was Tom. He was talking about like a lot of the action scenes. He goes, Tom Cruise was gung but I'm like, can I sit in a chair while I drink it with a drink in my hand and do some dialogue? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, but he just kind of plays like this uh, commanding officer that like yeah. meets Cruz at the beginning of like his his time loop. He's like a boot camp trainer. Yeah, kinda, you know? and uh, he has this great line uh, where they're talking and. Uh, you know, Tom Cruise is trying to get out of being there and like get someone to respect him. And he goes like, you're an American, right? And he goes, no, sir, I'm from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he like amps up his Southern drawl in yeah. this movie quite a bit to like really good effect. I like him in this movie a lot. Yeah, he's fun. I think he's a lot of he's, fun. feels good for it. I'm right. Yeah. I also found an interview clip with him, I think on James Corden. And I forget who he was. Oh, he's with Mindy Kaling for some reason. Him and mm. Mindy Kaling are the guests on this episode of James Corden. Oh, I, I saw. I didn't watch it, but I this saw this might was have, And I don't know if this was before or after he worked with Cruz. It, based on the way the interview went, I feel like it must have been before he worked with Cruz. But basically, the the joke of the thing is like Mindy Kaling tweeted something about like everybody should have like one impossible crush that's like healthy, some mm -hmm. like crush that you could never fulfill. And, you know, and so Corden uses that to be like, who's your, uh, you know, crush that you, you know, yeah. and she gives some answer or whatever. And then he, Paxton just kind of like butts in and goes, hey, you know who mine is? Uh, Tom Cruise. I love Tom Cruise. And then he just starts jumping up and down on oh, Corden's God. couch. <laughs> and you could tell Mindy Kaling is like, please don't say that. Like, I don't even want to be associated with somebody yeah, liking she's Tom like, Cruise. Nope. Like, get, yeah. let me get out <laughs> yeah. of this, please. <laughs> it was very funny. Um, it, it's also funny too because like that ragtag group that he works with, his yeah. whole crew, is kind of like an alien sort of yeah, totally. group where it's like all of these like tough like it's definitely supposed to be machismo types. bullshit yeah. type stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, this movie's great, by the way. This movie has kind of earned a bit of a cult reputation. It's mm. not like it like crashed and burned or anything, but I feel like this is one of the kind of forgotten Tom Cruise vehicles that is actually really good. Um, Emily Blunt's fucking awesome in this movie. This movie's really fun. Highly yeah. recommended you tomorrow. Uh, cool. So then, uh, same year, he was also in Nightcrawler, which um, I've only seen once, and so uh, and I loved it when I did first see it, it's but I couldn't movie. remember Paxton at all in it. So I watched a clip of him and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal talking, and Paxton is also a Nightcrawler who's like maybe a little bit more established and has a little bit more like funds, and is yeah. trying to get Jake Gyllenhaal to join him. Right. Uh, and you know he's kind of like sleazy. He's great in this, but like. 
yeah, just watching him and Gyllenhaal interact, and it's so obvious that these are two very different type of men, and Gyllenhaal is, like, absolutely repulsed by him and does not even hide it. Yeah. And, oh, my God, it makes me want to watch Nightcrawler right now. Like, I forgot how awesome that tone is. I love the way Gyllenhaal's character in this movie literally speaks in quotes from, like, those, like, self-motivate-yourself-to-start-a-business books. You know, there's all those fucking business etiquette books that people are always trying to sell you on like i used to work for this guy that owned his own business and he was like literally giving his employees books all the time about Mm. oh you should read this this is about like good business acumen and stuff he literally speaks in those kinds Mm -hmm. of sentences from those things yeah and that's how he talks to paxton's character in the Mm -hmm. scene you're talking about where paxton's like i'm I'm putting a new van together i'm getting van number two i want you to lead the van it's a big opportunity and he like says something like I forget what he's, he's saying. He's like, I, I prefer to work for myself. That's like best for like me and my autonomy. Like something yes, weird yes. like that yeah, where you're like, like He's what? like, I'm a real self-starter that yeah. needs to have his own autonomy in his business. And yeah. while I appreciate the opportunity, I need to work for myself yeah. on bigger and better things. And Paxton's like, okay, whatever, dude. Like, yeah. Just join me. And he's and then I thought like Gyllenhaal freaks out, but he remains cool in this entire scene. And he's just like, get the fuck out of my face. He, and I'm like, ooh. He has this great line where he says to him something like, if I were a different kind of person, what I would say to you right now is to get the fuck out of my yeah, face. He yeah, says yeah. it like very calmly to him, but so what he good. says to him is, "I would scream this in your face." Yeah. It, yeah. I we need to rewatch this. Scene, Nightcrawler's I think. a great it's movie. It's so good, and yeah. uh, I I love that Bill Paxton was in this movie. I think it's awesome, and yeah. he's very good as that kind of character too. Yeah. Um, in 2016, he does a film called Term Life with Vince Vaughn. I never saw that. Me neither. And then uh, a drama called Mean Dreams. You know what that is. And then in 2017, he was in The Circle with Emma Watson and Tom Hanks, which I have never seen. And <sighs> I feel like it's like maybe kind of interesting, but I don't know. I have heard this is a pretty bad, bad it's movie. It's by an interesting writer, I think, Yeah. The um, book. Yes, this is based on a book book and hold on i'm gonna find this really quick because i want to say you may have read this person's like other book the like we like we should know our velocity or something is that the same writer i think it is uh so the screenplay is james ponsolt but it's dave eggers dave eggers yeah um yeah mm-hmm. okay uh so it's based on an eggers book which is supposedly very good but mm-hmm. I- i've heard that this movie is is not great it's such an interesting cast oh, john boyega was in this too that's right yeah it's very strange yeah um, and then it looks like, uh, you know, the last thing that he was in was Taking Tiger Mountain Revisited, which I mentioned earlier that I would bring up. And it says, in a dystopian future, Europe is unified under a totalitarian patriarchy where each town is assigned a single economic purpose. Um, in this town in Wales, the occupation is prostitution. Arriving by train from London is Billy Hampton, a young American expat and draft evader um ostensibly there to enjoy sex-filled holiday uh unknown to him it is the first uh, he is a time bomb assassin programmed by a feminist terrorist cell to assassinate the local minister of prostitution i mean this really sounds awesome and it, it, it must be yes. based on something of burroughs it and sounds so cool the I'm thing very that i can't it. figure out is what this actually like is yes. like it, it, i'm thinking it's like a re-release of that movie yeah i guess so which is yeah i mean i find that very very interesting. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, and then I would yeah, really like to see this. Um, so Bill Paxton died February twenty fifth, uh, twenty seventeen, at the age of sixty one, um, in Beverly Grove, Los Angeles. Um, it says that there were complications following heart surgery. Yeah, he was so actually sad. on Mar- uh, Mark Marin's podcast, like right before mm-hmm. talking about it, and then passed away, mm-hmm. which is like 
so sad. I like literally remember listening to that episode yeah. and him, you know, casually being like, "Yeah, I got to go in and get an operation." And, yeah, and, and I saw like I saw I don't know what became of it, but it sounds like his family was like maybe trying to sue, hmm. um, saying that you know like the hospital was like the reason like he died mm. and they were like ne- negligent or something, mm. and it's just so sad because uh, I just young, could see yeah. yeah he was yeah, like I could see him doing more like really weird oh amazing God. roles, you know yeah. The, 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 Edge of Tomorrow is the dumbest example, but it's like he was aging into yeah. a different kind of yes. role. And again, in this kind that of conversation, really for him. yeah, this conversation about how he could be any kind of role, really, and he yeah. works and fits for it. He was aging into new kinds of roles, I yeah. think, that would have been interesting for him. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. It's, he was a huge loss, I think. I agree. Um, so just like some interesting facts about him and stuff. So members of the 1980s rock band Martini Ranch. Yes. Uh, so he uh, was in this band and James Cameron directed one of their music videos called Reach, which starred a lot of Cameron alums, including Bigelow, Henriksen and Goldstein. Um, and I think the like the I think the whole cast maybe of uh, Near Dark was like in that. I'm pretty sure the young kid was in it, too. It's bu- like weird. Also, Judge Reinhold is in that music video. Yeah. There's like a bunch of like kind of like yeah. Cameron alumni in that video. It's a fun song. I It's the only song I've listened to from his band that I know of, they, and it was a lot of fun. I listened to two songs by his band today. Okay. Um, they are basically a Devo knockoff, uh, it, both in sound and in that multiple members of Devo contributed to yeah. the only record they ever made, including Mark Mothersbaugh. Um, it's pretty fun, funny, weirdo, kind of, you know, 80s pop music. Yeah. The music video that Cameron directed is very much a James Cameron video. Mm-hmm. It's just another and a long string of evidence that really what he wants is for a woman to beat the shit out of him uh, is my impression of Cameron. Uh, and like it, I, this was the biggest discovery for me. I had no idea that he was in a band. Yeah. And then I'm like watching interviews with him today and he references this band he's in and I look it up. You have to look this band up. I'm glad you mentioned it because I had it as a note and just it was like a throwaway thing that I like didn't even think about looking into again. So I'm glad you found it. I genuinely liked the music. It's very funny and weird. And I think the music video is worth a lot. Yeah. The band was called Martini Ranch. You should look it up. Um, uh, one thing I learned was that he learned to speak German to prepare himself for a role in Pat Benatar's music video, Shadow of the Night. Yeah, he's actually in like a lot of music videos. Yeah, he appeared as a sheriff in the music video Eat You Alive by the rock band Limp Biscuit in 2003. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, he was also like one of those actors that, uh, was up for like a lot of roles that just for some reason didn't work out. There was a note that he, note that he was, um, the first choice for Robert Langdon in The Da Vinci Code. That actually totally makes sense to me. Uh-huh. I could I could see him as that character. Yeah. But he turned down the role because he was already signed up for Big Love. Okay. Um, he was also considered for a lot of leading roles in things like Jumanji, Godzilla, Pulp Fiction, Hardware, and Cocoon. Okay, that's incredible. Number one. I'm a huge Godzilla fan. Yes. No one likes that Roland Emmerich Godzilla yeah. movie. I'm sure that's the one they're referring to. I agree with everyone. It stinks. Yeah. I also kind of like it, and I kind of think it would work better with him in it. I, I assume say, he would have been for Matthew the Broderick, Broderick role, yeah. and I think he probably would have actually been a lot yeah, better for that role. Pretty yeah, pretty interesting. Um, after his de- his tragic and unexpected death, storm chasers across the country united in forming his initials BP using their GPS Aww. coordinates as a tribute to his well loved character from Twister. That's so Amazing. nice. I love that. And uh, he was someone that like did the convention circuits and stuff too. So there are a lot of like things from fans like yeah. saying like what a great guy he was and like you know it was like an amazing opportunity to meet their hero. Um, 
he one of uh, the quotes I have from him is uh, my biggest disappointment is not getting to do the dramatic the romantic roles I always dreamed of but I've always uh, but I've had a pretty good career and you know what um, we've grist for the mill out here and I quit doing this there's 10 guys ready to take my place he, <laughs> such an interesting like uh, a way to say that I guess I, literally like I said one of the interviews I found he start, he was like recounting some of his dad's phrases seems like he just like picks them up and, I think he yeah. also picks them up and repeats them and I think he also does not know what they mean yeah <laughs> I love it yeah um, so yeah, some of the sources and things I found, uh, he has interviews on The Laughing Button, uh, People.com, um, NJ Simpson, uh, The Ultimate Rabbit, uh, so those are all great ones. And yeah, apparently, like, you can listen to, like, one of his last interviews on, uh, Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast. Uh, yeah. Which I wanted to listen to, but then was like, oh, this might make me too emotional before recording. <laughs> sure, yes, yes. It's, it's a good interview. I remember that yeah. one pretty distinctly. But, uh, man, love Bill Paxton. And I love Bill Paxton. Yeah. I loved going through his career and finding out that he's a perfect fit for the show. He yeah. really did, like, so much B-movie stuff. Yeah. And then grew into this like great leading man yeah. that was still making B pictures while being a leading yeah. man. Um, and, uh, you know, also kind of, I never thought of him as one of the big guys from like my life. Yeah. And then I'm like looking through and I'm like, there was like a four year period in the 90s where I saw every fucking movie he was in. You yeah. know what I mean? I know. It's pretty um, wild. So, you know, he he's a big one, like a, a huge one kind of in my lifetime. And uh just a significant and sad loss uh, when he passed a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, I honestly had forgotten that he passed away because we also have had just some weird years of like a string of amazing people dying. Yeah, like yeah. I think Rucker also died in 2017. That might be right. Um, but like I was like going to like start the research for this so excited and then was like, oh yeah, I forgot about this. Yeah. I was like excited to be like, what's Bill Paxton working on now? And was like so bummed out yeah. that I, I had forgotten that. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, RIP to a real one. Yeah. You know, he was, uh, uh, he'll be sorely missed, I think. And yes. All the roles that he will not get to play. Yeah. I think would have been very exciting. I agree. But he was great for the show. I mean, this was like such a wonderful, we like marathoned five of his movies last night and it's one of the better marathons we've done. Yeah. I didn't even like love all of those movies, but I had like such a good time watching them. And yeah. he just is legitimately good in everything he's in, even when yeah. the movie is not living up to him. Agreed. You know? Um. Do we know who we are going to do for our next episode? I have someone written down, but like we haven't talked about it or thought about it at all, so maybe I don't know. Well, we don't have to announce it for okay. people. Yeah, it's we up, don't have it's to. up to you. No, that's fine. Okay, we'll, all right. We'll debrief. That's fine. We'll debrief and we'll leave that as a surprise. Yeah. So moving on to the next killer beat will be a nice surprise for everybody. Yeah. Right? Um, well, why don't we uh, close it up and, and plug all our wares and all yeah. the places people can find us, like moviejohn.com, J A W N. Uh, look up Killer Bees Podcast, Killer BS Podcast, everywhere on the internet. Follow us, uh, you know, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, on mm -hmm. Spotify. That's one of the best things you can do for us. Yeah. Um, leave us a review. That's also really helpful. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, check out um, patreon.com slash moviejohn. Yeah. That's another thing you can do. Exactly. Awesome. Yeah. Those are, those are the things. Yeah. And uh, Tori runs our Twitter page. You can find me everywhere at Filmadelphia. It's with an F. Yeah. Uh, that's it for us. Buzz, buzz. Buzz.